your girl Sada Star coming to you with another episode of A Day in the Life of the Alpha Woman, the official podcast of the Easy Breezy Life Community. Before I jump into today's topic, it's important that I share with you the Easy Breezy Life is intended for education and entertainment purposes only. We want you to seek out professional help for anything that we discuss on this platform because after all, the Easy Breezy Life is a group project. Hello, 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 hello. Um, So this week, I have a very, very special guest joining me. As you know, or maybe you don't know, but now you know, October is uh, Pastor Appreciation or Clergy Appreciation Month. And um, I have been blessed to encounter several pastors who have really been a blessing into my life. And the way that I approach um, my pastoral relationships is that everyone is a teacher. Everyone is a teacher. Um, And as long as I open up my ears and my heart to learn, I can receive. You cannot receive from the oil or the individual and the grace that you do not honor. And so as you listen in today, I want to encourage you to think about how you are honoring people in your life. Really, (laughs) there isn't much that you're going to accomplish by yourself as an individual. You have to be surrounded by other people who are stronger, smarter, wiser. And I also believe that there's a saying that says, um, what an elder can see sitting down, the young person cannot see standing up. I fully believe that. My dad used to say a version of this proverb growing up. And as I get older and older, I'm like, you know what? I need some wisdom backing up what I do. And so we're not going to play black card today because I dare not disrespect a man of God by playing black card with y'all before he comes on this platform. (laughs) So we're going to take a break and jump right into my interview with Dr. Samuel Addy. And we are back. Joining me today is a very, very, very special guest um, that I had to wait till my mind and spirit was right to bring him on the Easy Breezy Life because you guys know how I can be sometimes on this podcast. Well, today joining me is a very, very close, close spiritual mentor who um, I will forever be grateful to Dr. Samuel Addy of Dominion Temple Maranatha Ministries. And he is an apostle who focuses on deliverance, which for those of you who are hearing the term deliverance for the first time, it is really just focused on letting you know who you are in Christ and the biblical principles it takes for you to live in the freedom that Christ purchased for you to have on the cross. And so Dr. Samuel Addy, by professional training, is a pharmacist, but the call to God after going through his own experience, which I hope he will share a bit of today. And now he focuses on helping people all around the world and everyday people like me and you get free. Um, He had a very uh, integral part, his ministry, his church had a very integral part to play in Emmanuel's story. For those of you who have heard Emmanuel's story, and I'm just so, so glad uh, to be able to expose you to his ministry today. Welcome, Pastor Addy. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I'm having grandchild moments here. (laughs) I saw, I saw, you know what? It's the pandemic. Everybody has coworkers. I think we understand. (laughs) I'm happy you understand, my goodness. Um, Wow. Yeah, it's been a wonderful opportunity, and I'm very grateful for the introduction. Uh, You've been a very good uh, mentee, and 
I thank God for what he's doing in your life and with your family through this ministry uh, and through the anointing that I believe the Lord has upon my life. God bless you, Isla. Yes, sir. So why don't you start by telling them a little bit about your journey, um, how we know each other, and, and just, just a snippet, because your story has so many parts to it of how you got to focus on the part of your ministry that you f- actually focus on in this day and age. Well, I think the essence of the ministry is how you and I connected a few years back. Um, And it is a journey that started right from uh, my very youthful years. Uh, My journey has been shaped by abuse. And I'm talking about physical abuse from the hand of my own dad. I, I don't know if I should fault him because that's about all he knew. Um, almost every parent, every dad that I knew of all my friends growing up were abusive. It seemed like a cultural thing. That is how parents disciplined children or corrected children. They didn't know any other and any better. Things have changed, but that, that shaped my mental view of the world. Um, I also saw uh, the abuse of my mom by the same father. So he had a, an abuse issue and it really shaped my life. I was also sexually abused growing up. Hmm. House helps. Um, very early, I'm talking about five years, six years, and I do remember those instances. It was a persistent, ongoing thing. And it really defined and shaped my mindset concerning sex, love, devotion, commitment, loyalty. Um, these were all watered down and thrown out the window. So they did have a significant impact on who I eventually became. And um, uh, what else? There were also coup d'etats in Africa, in Ghana. You know, every two, three years, there was a change in government, violent change in government. And when that happens, it can derail almost anything that you... Uh, your family have planned things that you knew to be the standard and the status quo, things could change overnight and nothing was permanent. So these things, nothing was permanent, nothing was permanent. And I'll talk about that later. These things did affect who I eventually became. One significant issue um, or event that also happened was um, I was robbed at gunpoint here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And then I was also shot two times, pop, pop, six feet range by my brother. He intended to kill, but God saved and I lived. Um, my mom was sitting to my left. She was also shot. He intended to kill her, but again, she lived. So being abused by father, seeing mom abused, being sexually abused, being robbed at gunpoint, being shot at gunpoint, um, if you, if it doesn't affect you or break you, it will make you. And I thank God that it made me, it didn't break me. Glory to God. Yeah. Wow. 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 So, sir, you just told parts of your story that I didn't even know. I, I knew about, I think, the gunshot story moving forward. And I knew nothing about, you know, the childhood experiences. But even as you share that, for me... What it really tells me is that when God singles people out for your life, it is hand selected, yes. right? So 
Let's go into that a little bit, because um, when it comes to the easy breezy life and all those things, a day in the life of the alpha woman, I like to mention, you know, I don't always come out with it, but it is focused on deliverance, right? It is women who are like me. I think God is using the process to free me from certain things. And it is it is also um, meant to help us realize that we are not those things that have happened to us. And while God is compassionate, he graciously overlooks all of the extra weight that has come onto our personalities and identities by way of experiencing those things. His ultimate goal for us is to get to a place where we trust him, not people, to be our defender and to be the one who's watching after us. In your experience, because I know you've mentored other people, what do you think sometimes is the greatest barrier that keeps from, from from keeps us from being able to acknowledge and trust God in that manner. Oh my goodness, I've had so much experience dealing with exactly what you're talking about, and that is for humanity to yield to divinity. It is so difficult for people to do that, to allow input that is divine and not human, especially input that is being um, touted or um, presented as as, uh, a solution that you don't see. So a a typical expectation of a person who needs help or who is in a situation that that requires divine input is they want tangible help. They want money to pay the bill. I have a situation like that. Somebody sent me an email, um, a Facebook messenger message around 2 a.m. this morning. And she's telling me about uh, the absent father doesn't want to pay child support, da-da-da-da-da. And she's going to be a victor at the end of the month. And this is a person I encountered three months ago. Mm. I even gave her $200. And I gave her a solution. But she was more interested in the physical solution than she was in the spiritual solution. So three months later, she's back. And she's back when things are much more critical. So that's the challenge. That's one singular challenge for people to yield to divine input, giving them words of advice, giving them wisdom, knowledge. They don't see it as tangible. They are looking for immediate physical, I can see, ear can hear solution time. Mm-hmm. Hands can touch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so true. And as you know, <laughs> when you met me, it was very mission critical. And yes. it is unfortunate that sometimes in the body of Christ, even as believers, people who grew up in church, um, I didn't grow up in church, but for even those who did, um, for to wait for the pain to be so great. You know, and one of the things uh, in the journey, you know, it, this this celebrating the pain becoming so great before we allow for God's divine intervention when really um, God's intention was that Jesus would bear that pain that was so great so that you wouldn't have to. But when you look at our generation, because a lot of the women tuning in here are independent. Some of them are single moms. Um, Most of them are used to doing things their own way for a very, very long time. Are you talking about the alpha woman? I'm talking about the alpha woman. Very good. What, what, what do you think they need to understand as they listen to you today? Well, um, you know, the, 
the typical personality of the alpha woman is the woman God created. Mm. Oh, okay. That's the woman God created. She was created to have the solution to life. She's actually the helper of the man who can't help himself. So she comes to the table with almost everything she needs to get the job done. Mm. And then when she hits a snap and finds out that her human effort is very limited, her ability to exercise her will is very limited, then that's where the challenge comes in, yielding to divine input. A person that knows it all, a person that can do this, a person that can do that, a person that looks at her husband and says, this man is very strong, but there's some things he can't do unless I show him and I tell him. If I don't feed him, he won't eat. If I don't sleep with him, look at how he is, going around pouting all moody and all of that. I'm his solution to everything. And now I'm in need. Who helps me? Mm. That's the challenge. To yield. To yield and allow God to lead and guide. It's not easy for the alpha woman. Yep. That's such a good point. Um, uh, And I think that goes into all other endeavors as well, right? Like one of the things that God has made very clear to me is, you know, your, the work of your hand will be blessed so long as you keep first things first. Yes. Sometimes for alpha women, the hardest thing to accept is this man who seems incomplete being your covering, right? Yeah. And, and oftentimes our relationship with father figures, going back to abuse, being damaged. And so because you're, earthly father figure relationship is damaged. Your heavenly father figure relationship is damaged. Your relationship with your husband is damaged. Where do we start? Get things in order. And, and how is it, what is a different way that alpha woman can see submission as not degradation? Um, (laughs) It's, it's a tough process. It's a very tough process. Um, there has to be a mental shift um, for any woman going through such a situation or actually even before you get into that situation. Because see, if you have a solution before the trouble comes, it is very easy for you to breeze through it. But when you wait till the problem comes before you figure out the solution, the effort in finding the solution in of itself is very tedious and it can be very depressing. It can be very challenging. Trying to find a solution in it. There is a, an Akan or an Ashanti proverb or adage that says, you do not pick out ants. And I'm talking about the fire ants while standing in the midst of the fire ant. You want to get rid of it. If someone is bitten you, you want to make sure there are not, none other. Run to safety. Find a place where there are no more. Otherwise, as you take one out, 10 are biting you. So, um, the, the key is to make sure that you are prepared for the challenges of life, that you do have the solutions. In your situation, God brought you in the midst of your crisis and you found this ministry and the ministry made a significant impact. Can you imagine if you had the ministry in your life before the problem started? Okay. Then you would have avoided all the issues you went through. A lot of things. Right? Right from the pregnancy through the delivery, I personally believe the child would not, the first child would not have been lost, and and the second wouldn't be in. You would not be going through this situation. So have the solution before you get into the crisis. 
Right. Going through the crisis, God can help, but sometimes the damage is impactingly permanent. So let's talk about that when you say permanent, right? Because it would seem contrary to faith. And these are the faith challenges that we have every day, faith crises. And I think I hit that faith crisis where I was like, why would, why would God not heal? Why would God not deliver? And that was really the questions that I started to ask that led me to your ministry and saying, yes. I'm reading this Bible I left Islam to come to Christianity to read this Bible. This is what it says I'm supposed to have. My life doesn't look like what this book says it's supposed to look like. Why is this happening? And so can you talk a little bit about why you would say some impact is permanent? Well, for instance, a loss of life is permanent. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) A loss of life is permanent. Yeah. A loss of a limb is permanent. Yep. So there are situations that may come upon us and in the absence of divine guidance, we may enter into darkness. By the time we come out of the light, there are some impacts that that cannot be recovered. There are some things we lose permanently. There are some some things that are recoverable and uh, redeemable. And that includes healing. You know, you could be healed. There's so many ways God can restore that which is damaged. Um, so when I use the word permanent, I'm talking about the things that are irrecoverable. You just can't do nothing about it. You just have to accept that these are the losses that came as a result of the challenges you went through. And right. in life, there are losses. And we have to accept that. Yep. We have to accept. We don't live forever. We don't have everything forever. Nothing is permanent. Yep. Um, there is something I, I wrote down in my notes as I was preparing for this session. Let me see if it will make sense here as it relates to what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something I realized because of my own experiences in life that um, life, nothing in life is permanent. This pandemic is, is very indicative. In 1996, one year after graduating with a doctorate degree, I ran into an accident. And that accident put me in a wheelchair for six months. Then. After recovering about a year, I went back to work and then I got into a second accident. And that that put me in the wheelchair for almost 12 months. When I came out of the wheelchair, I was using a quad cane to walk to walk for another year or so. My whole life changed, lost my lost my um my my income, I lost my mobility, my ability to walk and move about. I lost um I lost my marriage and so in one instance, everything. Now, this is a repetition of what used to happen in Ghana. You, you have everything and it's a coup d'etat and you lose everything. So you see how this shaped my mind that nothing is permanent. After you've been through a dark period and you come out, you could lose some things. So how do you shape your mind for when the dark seasons come? Because the dark seasons will come. In this life, there is a nighttime hour and there's the daytime hour. The daytime is never forever. And most Christians, as you were asking, live life assuming that all is supposed to be and will always be daytime hour. Glory light, my whole life in Christ. Even the faithful, no matter how much faith you have, you don't control the seasons of time. The dark times will come. So you got to shape your thinking. You got to shape your mindset. 
that the life you live should always be a life that makes an impact. When you become useful to divine agenda, God makes your life useful for his work. And when you are useful for his work, you become a candidate for divine protection. You become a, a candidate for divine help, angelic assistance. Okay. So when the dark seasons are coming, you'll be amazed. 10,000 are falling, 1,000 are falling, but you are exempted because of angelic help. He will bear thee up under their wings and not even your feet will dash against a stone. And at the end of it all, he says it is because you have set your love for me in Psalm 89. He said, because David, David loves me and I love him. I love him. When your life is not about making money, so to speak, going to school is good. Working hard is good. Um, getting married is good. Having children is good. But is that your life? Is that the whole pursuit of your life? And then desiring to make more money. If that is the pursuit of your life, in the dark seasons, you are useless to God. You are useless to divinity. Hmm. When after all those things, you set your heart on God, which is to seek for that which God brought you here on earth to do. Seek knowledge. Father, why am I here? Why did you put me in this job environment? Why did you give me this family? What's my assignment to my children? Your parents who are so busy making money, they don't care what's going on with their children. The child is skilled, talented with musical skills. The parent is disinterested, building a house, um, trying to buy a business and saving money to go on vacation. And the child's needs are secondary. So when you set your heart on the divine assignment and you seek for the knowledge and the wisdom, you seek for guidance, as I talked about earlier, you have a ministry, a man of God, one anointed, one sent to you who will guide and shape your thinking and your worldview. You become invested in divine agenda. The help of God is meant for people who are so invested. Otherwise, you, the dark times will come. When, when the sun comes up, you see some losses. Wow. Wow. Thank you, sir. Uh, there's something that is coming to mind as I'm hearing you talk and is to talk about the spirit of like gentleness, which alpha women really struggle to in, in light seasons or dark seasons. What role do you think the spirit of gentleness plays in our usefulness to God in, in, in God seeing us as being useful? The, to be to be gentle is to be trusting. Hmm. Is to be trusting is to have absolute confidence and faith in God. If I know that God has this situation and He's got my back, why am I panicking? Why am I why am I not calm? Why am I reacting and responding so aggressive? with so much anger and pain and frustration, with the intent that I got to fix this. God's got it. <laughs> God's got it. So you don't need to talk much. You don't need to say much. Take a deep breath, calm down, and actually speak to the Holy Spirit first. Mm. I learned that the hard way. Mm. We, are, we are so invested, so much invested in the physical outcome of our expectations 
than the spiritual outcome of our expectations. We are so invested in the quest for making an impact in humanity instead of making an impact in divinity. Now, there's an irony in that because you would expect that the first would be the truth, right? Mm -hmm. Is that all right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I want that point to sink into most people. Yes. That we expect to make an impact in humanity, mm -hmm. but that is wrong. This is what leads us into pursuing for money. Mm. We want to do it our own way. We exercise our human effort. When we pursue for divinity and spirituality, we invest ourselves, our time, more in the things of the spirit, the study of the word of God. Mm -hmm. We know and seek for God's mindset, waiting on him, fasting, the things that are spiritual. When we do that, he defines and carves out a road for us to pass. It may be very narrow, it may be very specific, but the impact it will have from generation to generation to generation to generation is everlasting. But what shall it profit a man if he makes a huge physical impact in humanity and he loses his soul? You've lost everything. You, 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 you struggle for everything and then you lost everything. There's no wisdom in that. No wonder Apostle Paul said, and this is also an irony, for me to live is... Isaiah, do you remember that scripture? For, uh, I, I, I say for Christ to live is me something. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Oh, Jesus. I would, I would like to live and gain that when I die, then I go to Christ. Wouldn't that be the normal, reasonable way to, to conclude it, the matter? But Apostle said, he twisted it around. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There is more profitability. Because I don't understand it, which means that other people may be confused by that scripture. Tell us more. <laughs> See, the, the expectation of everyone is that while I am alive, let me gain. Then when I die, let me go to Christ. Wow. But he twisted around. He said, no, for me to live is Christ. There's so much sacrifice I have to make for Christ. Let me be invested in divinity more than in humanity, not the expectation of man. When I die, it's more profitable. There's more profitability in death than in... Cause, see, death there, life is eternal. It's forever. So there's more profit. When I have gained my soul and I'm in the right place, then let me invest in the assignment of Christ. It's very important. So bring it back to the reality of what we're discussing. I'm suggesting to you that pattern your life after divinity and not after humanity. And you will find out that divinity, when divinity is directing and instructing you, divinity will tell you, go left and stay away from this trouble. Go right, you will avoid this calamity. Hunker down and wait for the next week. Don't move. Everybody is falling, you're standing. That because is divinity leaves you. So important, but we as humans don't have, especially, and I'm speaking to the alpha person yeah. uh, in answer to the question of gentility. When you're being led, when you're being led by the spirit and you've learned to speak to the Lord, even in very minutiae, simple 
minor issues that you could have reacted to. You learn, Father, how do I react to this? How do I respond? It doesn't come easy. It doesn't happen automatically. But get into the habit of doing that. You'll be amazed how God will start leading and directing you. Leading and directing you. In ways that doesn't seem so apparent, but he will orchestrate things. He will move things around, out of your way, into your way. Bring people along. Um, I believe that when you were going through your dark crisis, that it caused you to go on your knees. Mm-hmm. It caused you to see God more. Mm-hmm. I believe that this ministry, my, my life came alongside yours because you were seeking divinity at the time, not humanity. You were seeking divinity at the time. But realize that when God sent this help to you, it didn't just come to deal with just that minor issue you were so worried about. It came to impact everything else. And now it seems like almost every step of the way, every direction you're taking, you're being led, you're being directed. Not that somebody is standing there like a choir director telling you, move left, move right, do this, but you see the impact. Yeah. You realize the, um, that God is, is in the realms, at the realms of affairs and he's directing your life. It, so true, sir. So true. The ripple effect, right? And like, I'll give you an example of what you're saying. Uh, there was a comment that you made that you said, God will tell you, go left, go right, sit here, don't do that. Yes. Oh, you remember that? Oh. I remember the scripture, I'll tell you. Tell me. Isaiah chapter 30. Mm-hmm. Reading from verse 20 to about 24. Okay. I'm going to read it again after this. Mm-hmm. But you know what's so interesting is, you know, um, recently I made a decision to take a seat in certain areas of my life. And, and, and you're absolutely right. Our season, that season, that dark season, parts of which we're still walking through, as you mentioned, and when there are some mistakes that you make that, the go through is a different kind of go through. Yeah. Um, but it has kept me in a way of saying, I don't want a crisis to be the reason why I'm obedient. I don't want um, a dark hour to be the reason why I came on my knees. Right? It's okay to seek, it, it, you, God wants you to seek that divinity with the same level of intensity in your light season, because that, that's what might cause you, as you said, dark seasons are going to come, but the way you pass through that is where was your attention in the light season? Yes. It's, it's so important. You know, as I was saying, in the life of the alpha woman, God created you to have everything you need to be successful in life. Mm-hmm. And then he gave you your will and the right and privilege to use it. Yeah. So making the decision that, Lord, I yield to you is not easy no. when you're pursuing after humanity and not divinity. Making that decision is very tough. So um, it is therefore very important and so essential that man realizes, just like you said, man realizes that at some point in time, I need to set, set, take a step back and go down my knees and seek for godly input in all that I do. Right. And not wait till the crisis comes before I go on my knees. Right. But I need to build that relationship, build that bridge, so that when the storm comes, I can use it. In the midst of the storm, I can't build a bridge. It is not easy. 
I may be able to, but it's not easy. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, um, Moses was now leaving. He knew he was leaving. His end has come. And he was speaking to Israel. And he was giving them wisdom. Wisdom that he should have learned himself. Otherwise, he wouldn't have missed the opportunity to get to the promised land. So in verse 2, he tells them, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness, to humble thee, and to prove thee, underline that word, prove thee. Number one, humble. Number two, prove you. Mm-hmm. And then number three, which is <laughs> the most important, to know what was in your heart. Whether thou would keep his commandment mm. or no. Wow. He wanted to know what was in your heart. He knows you have your will, the right to exercise it, the privilege to exercise it. You can do it without his input. And the only time he will intervene if it is going to affect his agenda that he has purpose. If it's not going to affect his agenda, he can leave you alone. You can go on the fully errand and do all the things you think you're doing for humanity. And you think you're being successful. Wait till your path crosses his path. And he will set you aside very quickly. He did that to Moses. Moses, you don't understand. Your attitude doesn't fit into my eternal plan for my children. I know you're angry, but not here. You are done. Out. Moses said, God wanted to prove what is in your heart. That when given the right opportunity, would you still allow him to lead? Or are you going to be the champion of your own boat? The captain of your own boat? Champion. Speak how you want to speak. Talk how you want to talk. Act whichever way you want to because, well, that's just who I am. You know, that's the way, that's the way I am. You're just going to accept it or leave it. No, no. What did God say? How, that God, how does God want you to act? He said to humble thee to prove you and to know what's in your heart. This is the reason you guys have been going around the mountain for 40 years. Because whenever God checks in the heart, what he sees, he doesn't like. He can't use you. You're not useful to him. So he leaves you alone. He keeps going around. They came back one year and they said, ah, Moses, did, isn't this where we, we buried grandpa? Seven years they came back. Moses, we're not making any progress. Look, we, <laughs> this is where we buried grandpa. 40 years they kept going around and around and around and around, around because they had, they had it in their mind to do it their own way. And when they did that, listen to verse 3, he said, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna. He made provision, but he made he did everything to keep you humbled. Mm-hmm. To keep you humbled. At the end of the day, divinity will prevail. So why don't you go along with divinity instead of pushing for humanity? Oh my goodness, that's a word. That's a word this morning. That's a word this morning. You know, every time... <laughs> Every time I talk to you, it's like drop and it's like mic drop because and I think that's how, you know, um, I think, you know, I was reading somewhere. I think it was Isaiah 30 where it said, your eyes shall see your teachers, right? Like shifts. That's the scripture, Isaiah 30, 20. You know, you know when it comes now because you've been here before. And I think of seasons, um, how many different challenges have happened since our NICU challenge and journey where the lessons of the NICU challenge and journey are like, Oh wait, you've been here before. What did you do? Go back to the place. 
right? But I want to, but I want to challenge something because I know a listener is going to be asking this question because I asked this question when you said, "What do you mean? Why does why does God have to get something from me in order for Him to save me? Like why why is me being His child not enough to get me through this situation? Like didn't Jesus die for all of humanity? Why does it sound so transactional?" I'm asking because I know somebody's thinking it. Yeah, and it's a confusion in Christianity. The devil is also using this philosophical um, dilemma to confuse a lot of Christians. It's actually the most effective weapon that the enemy has against Christians. It's not witches and witchcraft. If a witch has an effective weapon, it is a weapon to create confusion in the heart of a Christian, not to be sacrificial and not to be given. And to think that by them giving, it seems as if they are buying God. Or they're telling God, God is saying, if you don't give me this, I will give you that. It's such a wrong concept. There is a principle of God's creation, and you can't change it. You are not God. You can't change it. He himself abides by his word. Why? Because he is his word. If he violates his word, then he ceases to be God. Because he is his word. So if his word cannot be yes and amen, then he is not God. Then he becomes a hypocrite. Like he becomes a hypocrite. So by this principle, he sent Christ sacrificially to come and die for you and I. It's a principle that he couldn't bypass. Now, I I wanted to start it from the left end, but I'm going to start from the top end, from the right end. So he sent Christ as a sacrifice. Why? Because without a sacrifice, no altar is activated. It is the altar. Sir, (laughs) I think I have to buy the book. Yes. (laughs) It is the altar that makes the, it is the sacrifice that makes the altar active. So God did not stand on Mount Kilimanjaro, Mount Everest, wherever he was standing when he said, let there be light. And he said, um, let the earth be separated from the water and the, and the dry land appeared and all the things he did in creation. He didn't just stand there and say, let there be salvation and there was salvation. Could he not do it? He could. Why didn't he? Because according to his own word, according to his own word, you must give to receive. Mm-hmm. According to his own word, you must sow mm-hmm. to reap. Mm-hmm. So if he is not doing his word and following his own principle, then he can't save mankind. So to save mankind, he sends Christ to go and die on Calvary, which is God's altar, to activate the altar. Why the altar? Why is the altar so necessary? The altar is necessary because without the altar, divinity and humanity have nothing in common. You are physical. You cannot see anything spiritual. The spirit becomes relevant when we are at the altar. It is only at the altar that spiritual things begin to make sense to us. The altar is the bridge that allows you to cross the sea to the other side. Mm -hmm. Without the altar, we are miles and distance apart. God is speaking. We are not hearing. Mm -hmm. We are crying out for help. He's not hearing. 
But at the altar, our cries are in his ears. His instructions become our guiding light. Mm -hmm. His word becomes our light to shine our paths in darkness. Mm -hmm. So that which activates the altar is so important. Because without the altar, again, distance, you can't see each other. Mm -hmm. In Matthew chapter 23, verse uh, reading from verse 16, 17, 18, 19, Jesus Christ himself teaches this principle. I said, Christ said that anybody who thinks that the temple is nothing, but the gold in the temple is everything, that person is, is a fool and is blind. Why did he say that? He said in verse 17 or so, he said, it is the temple that sanctifies the gold. And then he takes it further. He said, anybody that thinks that the altar is not important and that which is put on the altar, the sacrifice, is more important. He said that person is a fool. It is the altar that sanctifies the gift on the altar. What is the gift on the altar? The gift on the altar is your family, your children, your womb, your marital expectation, your the, the fruits of your womb expectation, your money's financial expectation. Whatever it is that is so important to you, it is the altar that sanctifies it. It is the temple that makes it whole. Mm. So without the altar, you are living a human life, not a divine life. Mm. At the altar, the physical life becomes a spiritual life. At the altar, the human life becomes a divine life. God is now in the affairs of humanity. It is God leading the way. Right. So the altar is important, but the altar cannot be activated except with a sacrifice, except with a giving. That's why Jesus had to come to Calvary, to right. create a pathway for God to be able to speak to you and I. Without that sacrifice, we can't. The reverse is true. Mm. When we need God, God is asking, what have you done for me lately? I have souls I need to save. I have somebody I need to reach out to. Look at my ministry, for instance. I have a doctorate in pharmacy. I abandoned it because when I found out that everything I was doing was leading to death Woo. and I pulled to seek divinity, God said, you're pursuing after your own thing. Pursue after me. So I left, I left all that. I left the money. I left everything. I bought it, my first home within six months of graduating, 96. Then I got the accident. I had two brand new cars. I, I lost everything. And then I went into ministry. I started pursuing God. And then went into it full-time 2012. Uh, I said, uh, from morning till evening, what I'm doing here right now is all I do, talking to people, right. advising, counseling. And you are a testament to that. Right. I won't be saying that to you. But nobody worries, how does Pastor Adi eat? How does he take care of his bills? I'm right. not extravagant, but the minimum. How does he pay his rent? Don't how does, it twist. He drive? Pastor Adi dressed for service. He's fresh every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> Who put, how does he put gas in his car? Nobody cares about that. But when they are in crisis and they call you, they want you to sit on the phone for four hours. And I've been there. A, a month ago, I was on the phone with a couple I was um, counseling. For eight hours, the investment paid off because the family is together. Now, how many pastors would do that? But if I have to worry about taking care of my needs... 30 minutes is all I would give. And even at that 30 minutes, the next time they call me, I'm not answering the phone because it took 30 minutes of my time. I got to do something to put food on the table. I got family. 
So the person that is mindful of how this pastor is eating, how this, that, what you're doing is you're sacrificing. What you're doing is you're giving to God's agenda. There is power in the blood. But the, the power in the blood becomes relevant to you when you are sacrificing to the agenda of the blood, when you become a part of the agenda of the blood. I said that. To conclude, let me share this with you. This is the reason why when Jesus sent the disciples out, yep. he asked them, take nothing with you. Right. And then he said, any home you go, whoever sees you and invests in you, sees that you don't have shoes, replace that shoe. See you're hungry and feed you. See that you, your, your next journey, you need a meal to travel. It's a long distance. And they have 10 of them. They have 20, they have 100. And they didn't tell you, I'm sorry, I can't help you to let you walk on your foot. But they gave you one meal and gave you enough food. That is sacrifice. That is sacrifice on the altar of God. That is enabling, activating the altar so the agenda of God is enhanced. Such a person, you are a candidate for the power of the blood. Jesus said to the disciples, in such a home, release your peace upon them. If there is sickness in that house, the person has been crying, Lord, heal, Lord, heal, Lord, heal. That act of kindness is what will make an Elijah, after he's done eating your little meal, say to you that food will never, never, ever be lacked in this home. You would never lack food. And this woman, did. and Elijah made that woman uh, an oil merchant overnight. Because they understood that principle that when you enable and enhance the agenda of God, you are sacrificing upon God's altar and you are bringing and bridging divinity into your humanity. You will never lack. Is your message for the alpha woman was it for me today? I feel like God is speaking through you. He's confirming a few things because I've been having questions that need a lot of answers. And I, and, I, and I had a glimpse of it, but I think what you described today um, really painted a clearer picture. And so after we even end this interview, I'm going to call. <laughs> but I want to wrap up because um, we're coming upon the hour. And I want to say something to those of us who are listening. I know towards the latter part of this interview, it got very interesting and very spiritual. And you may feel like it's very over your head. You know, we are in season four of A Day in the Life of the Alpha Woman. And my hope for you is that you will discover freedom in every sense of the word, the way Christ intended for you to have. That means that at some point in this podcast, we must move from milk to bread to meat when it comes to If you feel like you have no idea, this is not for you. That means that it might not be your time. But if there is anything in this conversation today that piqued an interest, that might be the Holy Spirit letting you know that it's time to go higher which means it's time to go deeper still. And so um, if that is you, my recommendation is that you find Dr. Samuel Addy on Facebook and begin to follow his ministry. Begin to learn, begin to read, begin to study these things because we cannot be babes in Christ forever. And what he is saying is in fact true. We live in a physical world that has very spiritual roots. And one of the things that I've come to understand in this walk is that what we see in the physical started in the spiritual first. And so it is within our interest to pay attention to what divinity is, what your spiritual, the condition of your spiritual life is, to watch the way we live live our lives when it comes to these biblical principles. Because as Pastor Addy mentioned, God will not overturn 
principles and spiritual laws for us. The blood of Jesus is intended to give us the wisdom to hear him and understand what those principles are so we can be free to live, free to thrive, and then free to impact others. Pastor Addie, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on today. We'll definitely have to have you back. It is always mind-blowing and just the level of wisdom and the humility you bring to the table with us there. God bless you. God honor you. And um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I, I appreciate God for the opportunity. And I'm so thankful. And I, I thank God for your life. You're a good student. You're learning so much. Anytime I see what God is doing in your life, it just amazes me. You're so good in listening and following. God bless you. But you see, you hear that, Jesus? I'm listening down here. <laughs> Thank you. All right, ladies, we will be back next week with another episode of A Day in the Life of the Alpha Woman. Stay blessed. Stay blessed.